0: With me today is our own pianist in residence, Sam Page. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. We're also happy because our guest of honor today uh, was having trouble connecting. We were having technical issues, but it looks like those issues have been ironed out. So I think we're going to have a clean podcast today, which I know Sam's looking forward to. He's like plotting, he's clapping his hands in the background there. How's it going there, Sam?
1: (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Glad to be here.
0: We haven't done a, um, a solo for you lately. we got to get that going one of these times.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe next week.
0: Yeah. Sam's a pianist, Elizabeth. She, and, oh, and, and wow. He, and That's great. He, every once in a while, he'll just start. He sits down at the keyboard, connects into us uh, so we can hear him. And he doesn't play sheet music, he just invents it as he goes.
2: Oh, I love that! Free playing, That's just great. yeah,
0: just total improvisation, and it's My really stepfather's good. And
2: a pianist. He's yeah, amazing.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, we got
2: I, to I, I, France in middle school because he's that good. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. I love
1: it.
0: That's great. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of am a pianist. I'm kind of getting back into it, but uh, yeah, music is a wonderful thing. It's really good for the yeah, soul. Absolutely. It's good for everybody. And plus, pian- his music, by the way not only does he improvise it but it all has a very positive tone to it. Oh, I mean, that's you you awesome. listen to it and at
1: the it's end not you, feel like, you feel lifted. It. Yeah,
0: exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In a way I consider it a form or like my form of channeling.
2: That's yeah. I think it is. Absolutely. That's yeah. great.
0: I really do believe that. Awesome. So. Yeah. anyway, our guest today is Elizabeth I've, I should have asked for the pronunciation before I got going here, but Mikotowicz. I'm going to try it. <laughs> oh, you gave it? Well, thank you. You fed it to me. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> Happy to help.
0: And Elizabeth has uh, a clothing and art line, which she's going to be telling us a little bit about. But she also has, uh, we often get guests on here who have had traumatic experiences and so forth. And the, the storyline is pretty consistent. Usually they go through some rough stuff and, at the end, they, it's like, they never want to go through it again, but they learned a lot from it. They, they became stronger people as a result of it. And that becomes a main part of their storyline. Um, in Elizabeth's case, uh, it actually goes a little bit further than that because she's become something of a crusader within the, uh, the realm that she found herself caught up in. But I'm going to let you tell the story rather than me trying to tell the story because it's your story. First of all, and second of all, you'll probably tell it a whole lot better than I do. So welcome to the program. How you doing?
2: Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Um, So in my 20s, um, I was in a very violent domestic violence relationship. And um, it left me partially handicapped. He um, assaulted me and... The head injury was so bad that you could see my skull when it happened. Like, they had to (sighs) sew the muscle back, and then they had to sew the skin back. I couldn't lift this eyebrow for a year. They told me I was going to have to get plastic surgery to um, fix it. Um, But the problem was is I started getting seizures, like, almost immediately. And that made me no longer able to care for my children safely. My daughter was mm. a toddler and I was literally like waking up on the ground, not knowing how long I was out for, you know, with a 14 month old wow. running around. So this was like soul crushing because, you know, there was nothing I could do to make that better. And, um, the other thing was, uh, the doctors gave me opioids for it and Ugh. I took them at first, but once they told me I was pregnant, they, yeah, this is how I found out I, preg- I was pregnant with my son. So, um, I tried to refuse them and they threatened me with child protective services if I didn't Ugh. take the what? prescription. And this is like 15 years ago or mm. a little more um, when they were still, Big Pharma was still pushing their opioids and, mm. you know, profiting off of the suffering of the American people. Mm. I think we do like 70% of the global uh, prescription medications and we make up 5% of the world. So we are literally doing all the drugs. and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so they told me I was on too small of a dose to get addicted. We all know that's a lie now Mm. with um, how many lives have been lost to addiction. Um, So the abuse got worse. Um, My situation got worse. I eventually went to the battered women's shelter um, because now I lost my apartment because of him. And the last time he assaulted me, he strangled me so bad that my windpipe collapsed in on itself. Oh, God. So, like, the it, to explain it sort of uh, best that I can, like, you imagine your windpipe as, like, a tube of plastic. If you bend the plastic... It will have a crease, so it can go back to its normal, you know, shape, but it will still have that crease, mm. so it can easily collapse in on itself again. That's what was happening with my windpipe, wow. and I would have to chug water to breathe, and this, these little fits would go on anywhere from five minutes to 45 minutes. Mm. Like, if I hiccuped, that would cause it to happen, and I would just be panicking, like, completely sure. off airway, can't breathe, Yeah, and so... You know, and then he, then I find out, you know, after he's gone and I'm in therapy that you're 600 times more likely to get murdered by your significant other if they choke you. And that was, that was like a really hard statistic for me to learn. Um,
0: well, yeah. Especially since you directly experienced it. Yeah. Right.
2: And, you know, he, uh, he ended up going to prison. But I was already sucked into a life that I never wanted by the time he went. Um, I went to Spruce Round the Battered Women's Shelter and they turned me away with two beds open. They said my situation was too dangerous and my injuries were so extensive that it put the other women in the shelter in danger. The girl that got one of the beds, the guy didn't even hit her. He kicked her car. And that's absolutely domestic violence, destroying property. But, you know, in comparison to my situation where if I hadn't gone to the hospital, I would have been dead.
3: Hmm. You know,
2: and you're turning me away. So I had made a deal with my father that if they wouldn't help me, I would sign temporary guardianship over so he couldn't just show up and take them, take my children. And... I lost my health insurance because of that, you know, any, you know, public aid to help get me in a new housing because I didn't have them in my care. I no longer had access to that. So I was trying to self-medicate, you know, deal with my trauma. I couldn't get into therapy because I had no way to pay for it anymore. And, you know... drug dealers ended up protecting me they gave me places to hide they gave me you know drugs to sell to work you know i was already so Mm hardened and callous you know by this experience like i I didn't cry at all like i was just like shell-shocked for years and
0: you were in pure survival mode
2: yeah and Mm -hmm. you know i ended up getting sucked into a life i never wanted and because i was so traumatized it made me appear intimidating and tough. And I ended up moving up the ladder of, you know, this underworld. And I ended up, you know, running with some really dangerous people that like, you know, the stuff you see in movies, like mm. I, I would like look on in on my life and be like, how did I get here? Like, you know, how are these people like respecting me the way that they do? They don't respect women in any, you know, shape or form, but you know, they they are respecting me because, you know, I showed, you know, I just wouldn't back down. Mm. You know, I wasn't scared of anything at this point. Like, I wasn't scared to die. I wasn't scared to fight. I wasn't scared to, you know, get my hands dirty if I had to. And, you know, eventually I wound up getting arrested in 2011 for drugs. And then the feds picked it up two years later for the same drugs. So, you know, double jeopardy isn't a real thing for drug dealers. They can, the state can pick you up and then the feds can pick you up. For the exact same bus, the exact same substance, even though you got yourself clean, even though you turn your life around, it doesn't matter. You're going Mm -hmm. to prison again. And so when I got to, you know, the county, I did 13 or no, 16 months in the county just waiting to go to prison. You know, the yeah, you get right to a speedy trial. That's not necessarily in your best interest. If you Mm -hmm. rush a speedy trial, you're not going to get a good defense. And I wasn't even taking it to trial because I was guilty. So, you know, if if you take it to trial, you have the right to a speedy trial, but they have the right to smoke you if you lose. And the feds mm-hmm. have a 98%, you know, win rate. Sure. And even even the, the only person I know that beat the feds in trial, they just appealed it and appealed it until they, the judge found her guilty. So it it doesn't really matter, you know, If they want to get you, they're going to get you. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, my first week at Somerset County, I had no idea the systemic oppression going on in this country until I went to prison. You know, the my first week at Somerset County, I watched an entire women, uh, an entire pod of women, get strip searched because they signed up for a razor, and the male sergeant wanted a list of who shaved their vaginas and who didn't. Those that did were written up and punished, like. You know, and when Britney Spears stood up in court and said, that's what sex traffickers do. Like, I felt that in my whole soul. And the Mm. thing she was describing is how inmates are treated. And, you know, I watched women get brutalized, get gas, get beaten. I watched one girl get her collarbone broken because she asked why she was being hauled to solitary. If you ask a question, why why am I going to solitary? Why am I getting written up? They will use violence on you. And it's brutal. They don't care that you're a female. These male mm. guards, you know, a lot of them are domestic abusers and, you know, they take their DV issues out on the female inmates. Wow. And Yeah, it's, I watched a lot of women die of very treatable diseases. One girl went into labor and they were refusing to take her to the hospital and we all flipped out and threatened a riot. And that was the only reason they brought her to the emergency room. And they said, if this is just Braxton Hicks, if this is a false alarm, you're going in solitary. They were going to punish her for a false alarm, you know, and I don't know if you have kids, but, you know, if you've dealt with a woman who's at the end of her pregnancy, it happens. You have a false alarm for labor. Mm, if you mm. don't want to pay for a pregnant woman's, you know, health care, don't have her in jail. <laughs> yeah.
0: Interesting theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, wow. Yeah. And um,
0: it, it's so far out of the experience of so many people, what you're telling. Right? And I, I'm sure this, the story you're telling is, is true and accurate, but it's just, just so far out of people's experience I mean, right. first of all, obviously, it shocks people to hear it. Secondly, I I think it kind of puts the it puts the brain into um survival mode, just kind of you know out of sympathy.
2: This is normal. This is like normal everyday stuff. Like these are the, and you know, when I was making a big deal about being forced to strip naked in front of cameras that Mm -hmm. men were controlling, all the other inmates were like, dude, calm down. We all have to do it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't care if we all have to do it. It's illegal for them to have cameras in those cells. They're not supposed to strip you in front of cameras. Like, and it was a PTSD thing for me. Mm. Because my ex would trap me in the bathroom and make me get naked and be like, that's where you're going to die. And then he'd torture me and terrorize me for hours. So I was put in a cell and forced to strip under duress of being extracted, maced. And when they extract you, they show up 10, 12 deep all in tactical gear. They have electric shock shields. They have batons. They have these canisters of gas that are scientifically designed to take the oxygen out of your throat, basically. So you can't breathe. This is what they use on unarmed women and men. And you know, it's not like they're dealing with a bunch of inmates rioting. They're dealing with one woman in a cell you know, just asking like, why do I have to do that? Why am I stripping in front of cameras? Like that's like, and I I asked to go in the shower, like put me in the shower. I don't want to strip in front of these cameras, you know, for your male officers to watch. And because they, they would, they, they would time it so that they would go to control like the high ranking sergeants. And mm-hmm lieutenants they would go to control when they knew a woman was getting put in solitary so they could watch. It was wow. it was a power thing. This is not a sexualized, you know, oh they're attracted to us. No, it is a power trip thing. Like and that's what people misunderstand about, you know, rape culture. It's not about being attracted mm-hmm. to the woman. It's about, you know, the power and, you know, destroying her. And, you know, I filed a Priya against them, which stands for the prison rape elimination act. And, Mm -hmm. um, this is how they're burying the abuse in prison. And this is one of the bills I'm working on. Um, when I went to Alderson, when I finally got to prison, I filed this complaint, anything sexual goes under Priya. So the fact they stripped me out in front of camera that would go under Priya when they got the response back from Somerset County, They, in Somerset County, admitted to everything I was complaining about, but they deemed it unfounded. Like, they basically said, yeah, we did it, and it's fine. So it wouldn't go any higher. So if you deem something unfounded, it they get to do their own investigations, and then they don't get, nobody else looks at it from an outside source. So when Alderson got the response, they wouldn't even let me hold it to read it myself. They read it to me and then told me I couldn't have a copy of it. Now, when you get out of prison, you have a 100 days to file any type of official complaint. But the first thing they ask you is, okay, do you have the paperwork? Where's the complaint? Mm -hmm. Well, I did, but they wouldn't give it to me. And that is how they are just burying all this abuse in there by not giving inmates the paperwork. And there's, by law, they have to give it to us if we request it, which I did. But they know there's no consequence if they don't. So Mm. the bill I'm shooting for is to hold these facilities financially accountable for every day they stonewall an inmate and refuse to hand over paperwork. And, you know, after I got out of prison... Alderson, those same officers that wouldn't let me have the paperwork, the captain and four of his subordinates all got arrested and got convicted of raping and stalking inmates and tampering with Priya evidence. So it wasn't just me. They were covering, you know, covering for and Mm -hmm. stonewalling. It was dozens Mm -hmm. of other inmates and those inmates got it way worse because they actually got, you know, raped and they, they just Bury the, the guy the captain only got 10 years for raping over a dozen inmates
3: mm.
2: I mean that's how much value they put on our lives mm-hmm.
3: you know mm-hmm. if they had
2: done that to regular women that weren't inmates he'd be in there for life probably mm-hmm. you know 12 convicted you know oh
0: yeah I hear what you're saying
2: you'd be screwed and so this is how they um, this is how they bury it. And I'm also pushing for um, a bill that makes it so cops are like correctional officers, like an inmate can't consent to any sexual actions because we're helpless. We sure. don't have, you know, they, they have authority over us. Mm-hmm. But cops. You know, there's that, that consent rule. They can use, oh, well, she wanted to. They can still use that. And my thing is, like, as a woman who's been to prison, if a cop were to come on to me and I said no, like, the only thing I'm thinking is what am I going to go to jail for when when I tell him no? Mm-hmm.
3: You know, they have mm-hmm.
2: power and authority over us. We can't say no to them you know, without consequences. And the fact that they're using their badge to get laid on taxpayers money is disgusting anyway.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah. you know, they
2: should not be allowed to get any sexual gratification on the job or use their badge to try and bully a woman into having sex with them. So I I think cops should be the same as correctional officers. There's no such thing as consent. You know, they, they just have too much authority over us.
0: Okay. Um, a couple things I need you to clarify, uh, just because you're, you're naming some facilities that I'm not familiar with. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't even know where Somerset is located or anything Maine. like that. So we're talking about Maine. All right.
2: Yeah. Um, Alderson do- is a federal prison in West Virginia. Like, they okay. sent federal inmates get sent all over the place and you know, they, until I got sentenced, I was held in Maine in the County jails. And then once I got sentenced, they shipped me all the way to Oklahoma mm. and I went back to West Virginia. Like you have to go to Oklahoma to get to West Virginia from Maine. Like yeah. they're like, they spent so much money with their traveling with their mm. ridiculous travel, you know, routes It waste gas, it wastes taxpayer money. Like, I mean, They waste so much money and it's so unnecessary. Like my friend, Megan, she had 30 days left when she finally got sentenced. So they shipped her all the way to Connecticut from Maine for 30 days. Like you could have just left her in the county Mm -hmm. jail in Maine and not spent all that money, you know, transporting her. Mm -hmm. You know, from a block away, Penobscot County Jail to the courthouse, it cost $400 to transport one inmate just a block mm-hmm. away I yeah. don't even want to think about what it is for from Maine to Connecticut
0: to, to the best of your knowledge um I mean obviously you're describing based on your own experience and the experience of people that you know but to the best of your knowledge how widespread is this
2: this is across the country it's really bad you know when I remember when Trump filled the ice camps with refugees, mm-hmm. and you know, there were all those stories coming out of women being sterilized against their will. Mm-hmm. They've been doing that to American inmates for decades, especially down in Texas. Um I met, you know, probably a handful of them, you know, along my journeys through the federal prison system. Not a single one of them was white. And now all of a sudden, It's a, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's a great day for white lives everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I I can't remember when it dawned on me that all of the women that I'd met that were sterilized against their will were not white, but it was, you know, quite later, you know, after like, I realized that and I'm going, Oh my God, like they're really like committing genocide, like on, on these, you know, marginalized groups. And it's Mm -hmm. absolutely insane.
0: So obviously, I mean, it goes beyond without saying that this is like extreme trauma. This is trauma beyond any trauma that most people are even, even exposed to. Um, and certainly I can understand why you're so passionate about it. That makes a whole lot of sense, but at some point you had to kind of climb out of this. How did you climb out of it?
2: Oh, well, um, honestly, when I got out on probation, um, I had no health insurance and. The prison had me on $1,300 worth of psych meds that I had no way of paying for. So I started to spiral immediately because I was detoxing off psych meds and the trauma. So I literally would have a panic attack every time I left my house. And I made it six months on probation before I went back. And what really, you know, turned it around for me was when I got off probation, Janet Mills was the new governor. And she expanded main care so that people like me could get health insurance. So I was able to get intense trauma counseling. I was able to get mat treatment and, you know, whatever medications I needed. And that was really like the game changer for me. It was a lot of hard work. It was, you know, I went through a month, a couple month period where I didn't leave my house. I went through Mm. this complete agoraphobic stage where I was just terrified to leave my house. I didn't like, sure. even go to the store Yeah, and you know, that, that was like really hard to get through. It didn't help that the lithium I was on, um, started like messing with my kidneys a little bit and it wasn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't get my levels right. So that, mm-hmm. that made it a lot worse, but you know, I, th- I don't know if I'd even be alive right now if Janet Mills hadn't, you know, changed that policy. You know, no. when Paula Page was in the, in the governor's seat, I, I, went to, I went to DHS to try and get help so I could, you know, <laughs> get Matt treatment and all that. And they told me that I would have to get pregnant again in order to get health care. And I'm like, I'm just trying to be okay enough so I can be with my other kids that are already here. Like, but you don't want to help me with that. You just, you just want me to pop out another baby when I'm in no position to do that. Mm. It wouldn't, you know, that would, that would not be fair for anybody, especially the baby. And it's just, it's just really kind of ridiculous. And, you know, Paul, I remember being in prison and Paula Page getting on, you know, TV saying, Black thugs from the hood come up from the cities and they impregnate our white women and flood our streets with drugs. And I'm sitting there like, I was a drug dealer. I was like involved in getting these drugs into the state. And you mean to tell me that these inner city kids who are more likely to join a gang than, you know, graduate high school, no, to come up to Maine and they can quadruple their money. Like, it's not even believable. Like the truth is you, you have white addicts, white police informants going down to the hoods and getting these people and bringing them back up. So these police are getting a higher quota and like, they're just setting these dealers up, you know, one after the, the other, I remember this one girl who was involved in five overdoses and they never arrested her. She, she was there for five deaths and they never arrested her because she was working for the cops. She was selling drugs in a school zone and she would bring, you know, out of state dealer, you know, one after the other, and they would all just go to jail. And, you know, this, this is a problem too. They, they're letting the biggest criminals get away with the worst of the worst because they agree to be an informant. This is not helping society. This is not justice. These, these informants are going after people in recovery and like getting them to go out of state and getting them, you know, bothering them to the point where like this one girl kept calling my friend up over and over again. He was working, he was clean, he was out of prison, he was done. She would not stop blowing his phone up for him to go get her drugs. And once he did, she wore a wire on him and sent him back to prison. Like he never would have even gotten back into drugs or done anything. You know, rap daily. Like, like I understand, your drug dealer standing on the side of the road trying to sell drugs. You know they're being obviously they're breaking the law. But don't go after people who are in recovery trying to better themselves because you want you know the prison numbers, and that's what it's all about. It's all about profit. I mean, uh, a hospital saves three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year contracting their linen to be washed by inmates instead of paying regular Americans a minimum wage not even a living Mm -hmm. wage just a minimum wage Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and this is what it's about these corporations are getting an army of free workers that they put we were getting paid five dollars and 25 cents a month to work 40 hours a week and they Mm -hmm. work you hard I mean some of these inmates were fighting wildfires were moving dead COVID bodies like and you're paying them pennies a day like this is modern day slavery. they just rebranded it to you know rehabilitation, and it's not you're traumatizing people worse, and they're you're making it so they can't even function normally out in society
0: you uh are obviously very passionate and I'm quite understandably on um, why you're so passionate about it um I'm still curious to know a little bit more about your story and how you got to where you are now, because, um, well, you told, you told us happened when when the governor made some changes that made it possible for you to get treatment. But at some point you also had to take steps forward in terms of rebuilding your own life. I, that, that's the story I want to hear at this point. How did you rebuild your life?
2: Well, I had to change my mindset and I had to stop hanging out with all of my old friends. Um, I started, you know, making gratitude lists and, you know, just really trying to rewire my brain to, Mm -hmm. you know, be more positive. And when I started working with legislation, like, you know, my first thing was, why would they listen to me? Like, I'm just a bad statistic. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I changed that thinking to, well, why wouldn't they listen to me? you know, I am their bad statistic and, you know, you think they want to listen to me and prevent what happened to me from happening to others. And, you know, you have to stay positive. You have to, you know, I, I got into like, my friend taught, taught me about the law of attraction and, you know, just positive mindset and how much easier it makes your life. It's not like an overnight miracle, you know, fix everything, but it really is helpful you know, writing things out and, you know, writing what you want down instead of, you know, focusing on what you're afraid of. And I mean,
0: I'm curious when you first got exposed to that idea and were considering doing it, did it take a lot for you to go and try it or were you resistant? I mean, how, how was your mindset dealing with trying to get this new mindset? Well,
2: you know, they, they had um, a class where they showed us the secret in prison and I was like interesting and you know my friend Tamika she would always meditate and be talking about the law of attraction and manifestation and you know binaural beats I I found binaural beats when I got out of prison and I listen mm. to them when I go to sleep and mm. it really helps just you know slow my brain down because I mean I'll stay okay. awake total insomnia from trauma and you know, that's your body's way of protecting itself. It doesn't let you go to sleep because you're, you're vulnerable when you're sleeping. So that was like a really hard thing. Yeah. And that was really hard, you know, to deal with and overcome. And I still have to work Mm -hmm. on that. I still, I have to eat like no processed foods. I have to eat like Mm -hmm. healthy or my sleep patterns, you know, they go all over the place And um, I started uh, going around to businesses in Bangor and talking to them about doing, you know, an art show. Mm. Sometimes they'll do like sidewalk artists and, you know, all that stuff. And during the pandemic, I did an art show during Addiction Awareness Month. Mm. And then I joined the Bangor Art Society and started doing shows with them. And um, I also contracted my own cleaning jobs. Because working in, like, a regular setting where people would come and go and I have to deal with the public was too much for me. Sure. So I, got a, I got my own jobs where I'd work by myself and I do not deal with anybody. I was clean and then, you know. And um, I, I also, during the pandemic, I found the company La Galleriste, Um, and they turn your art into like a wearable clothing line and I join vocational rehab. And if anybody out there has like mental health issues or trauma or anything like that, something that has made your life significantly harder, any type of disability, basically, um, there's something called vocational rehab and Mm -hmm. like they gave me a business advisor. They helped me put a business plan together and like, they showed me how to start this business and, you know, get it out there and taught me about PR and, you know, they got me a $10,000 grant and I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, I've never yeah. gotten this money, much money before legally. <laughs>
1: yeah, <right. laughs> I love
0: that. Yeah. That, that must've been almost shocking. when when. You yeah. I that. couldn't
2: even believe it. I was like so elated. And then, um, you know, I know how to market. I've, You know, before my life fell apart, I I marketed for a cleaning company. I went to all Mm -hmm. these meetings and I got jobs. So I knew how to market. But now I was just, I had to get over this, you know, mental block of what are they going to think of me? I, you know, I'm just, you know, former federal inmate, like drug addict, drug Mm -hmm. dealer scumbag. And it's like, you have to get over that because, you know, I would like to see what anybody else in my shoes would have done. Mm -hmm. Because I exhausted all options you know, I did everything I could to get myself out of the situation and it just wasn't enough. And there's one third of Americans are, have a, is have, you know, a criminal background at this point, you know, and unless like, if you've served your time, like that should not stop you from getting a place to live, you know, getting a job. And, you know, I just my mindset and, you know, realize like, yes, I do have stuff to offer. And these people will listen to me. You know, I just have to sell it the right way and, you know, get the right connections, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. I also started going on LinkedIn and messaging podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. I watched a workshop about PR and advertising and, and like, cause I was trying to like advertise at first, but it just, you know, advertisement doesn't really do anything. <laughs> you know, it doesn't
0: have the power it, it used to I
2: mean, have. It does no. to a point, but you'll spend mm. thousands. Yeah. You'll spend thousands in advertising. Money. So I, I went the PR route and that's why I'm doing these podcasts. And I figured, you know, I can share my story, share my brand, maybe educate some people and, you know, spread awareness. So,
0: and how'd you end up doing clothing and art? That's an interesting, uh, direction to
2: go into. Well, I, I saw this at, at the galleries and it said turn your art clothing. And I was like, huh, that's kind of, and no, mentally friendly, which I love. And the clothes were just so beautiful. Like it was a very like feminine brand. And, you know, I, I, experimented with it just to see how it would look and you know the stuff actually came out like really well and when I ordered it you know it was just the colors were beautiful and it was so well made and mm. like it's just it's yeah like it's very durable stuff and the material are so soft and like I really the
0: Uh oh. Like no. technical, the technical issues are getting in the way in a big way right now, uh, unfortunately. I know that. Yeah. A, but... Well, while we're waiting for her to come back, Sam, why don't I want to come to you. I mean, you, you've you been listening very quietly to this whole story. <laughs> like, give me like your, your input right now. What are you thinking and feeling?
1: Well, so the, the story up until where things started to improve, just so much of the was very shocking. And I think the fact that it was a lot of that was considered normal was the most shocking thing to me. And just like the perspective of these men and how they think it's like, okay to treat human beings the way they mm-hmm. did like, quite horrifying, but it's very interesting. But I love that she's able to turn this around and like probably put some of that into the art and every, Oh, here she goes, hope she can come back. But, oh, she's um...
0: probably reconnecting. I think that that's actually, we just saw her connection go off screen. That's probably a good sign actually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who knows technology, but then, yeah, and one thing that really stood out also when when she was talking about how she kind of was getting herself out of that is mindset, which is something we talk about a lot, mm. on, like how perspective came into play in the earlier part of the story, but then how also mindset like helped her get out of it and everything and it channeling into the art. Like I was looking at the website and it's real, it is beautiful art. and I love that. I would wear some of that. Her,
0: yeah, her art is quite beautiful. And we'll include a link in the uh, the description of today's episode so people can check it out for themselves because uh, it is quite beautiful. I, I was struck by the fact that she starts talking about mindset. She talks about how she saw the secret and, and uh, was talking about law of attraction. And a moment later, she's talking about how she had a $10,000 grant. And I thought, okay, yeah, well, there's, look what, I mean, even if you're in the depths of despair, horrible trauma, your, your, your mind has been messed with, your life has been messed with, your body's been messed with. And yet she still manages to find a way to realign herself just enough to get that grant money to come in
1: that helps her start a business. Like, wow. That is beautiful. I love that. Isn't that something?
0: Yeah. So in the, in the midst of a horrific story, all of a sudden light comes in.
1: Absolutely. And that's that's inspiring, really, to hear that, like, really anything um, can be turned around and you never know.
0: It it is inspiring. It's one of those. I mean, we we get various uh, experiences from, you know, stories that people tell who are visiting us here on the program. Right. I mean, they they come from all walks of life. They have all kinds of different stories, different kinds of traumas and so forth. Some extremely severe, like uh, in this case with Elizabeth, others much less severe. Interesting though, how it's always the same story. They go through this terrible stuff. They learn from it. You know, in many cases, they, they are still working through it. I mean, you could just tell the the anger that that Elizabeth is still feeling quite understandably. I mean, it's, it's palpable. It's like, oh, you don't have to explain it. It's right there. You can feel it. (laughs) And yet, even with all that, still the growth happening, still
1: the change happening. I mean, that's inspiring all by itself. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's beautiful. It, It
0: makes you feel like. No matter what's going on with your life, no matter what it is, no matter how rough it seems, no matter how difficult it is, you hear a story like that, you say, "Wow, maybe there really is a chance for me. Maybe I really do have possible way of getting out of this mess that I found myself in."
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, nothing, nothing's impossible.
0: Nothing's impossible. Yeah. Did Did you have any tie moments while she was uh, telling her story?
1: I think definite I think the main thing was when she was talking about mindset was the first thing that came that really struck me as Priya, but a lot of, I don't know. I'm still processing a lot of what she said.
0: Well, I was thinking about specifically when she talked about the journaling, writing stuff oh, out.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that actually did resonate with me. Cause when, that was one of the first things she said. And, um, the part uh, where things were turning around. And that's definitely something that resonates because that was something that I started a little bit before Taya, but then definitely more so after or during and after and just, yeah, how appreciation, yeah. Appreciation is like very Taya and very like paramount to kind of one's well being in general and getting out of a, out of dark spaces into a better headspace and everything.
0: And there's something to be said for the, the writing part of the journaling. I, I, I mean, I, I've documented here many times how I was resistant to journaling. And to a certain extent, I still am. To be perfectly honest, let's be very bluntly honest, I resisted at times. Sometimes I just do it because I need to, but other times i say, no, nope, I'm not going to do journaling. No, nope, thanks. That's
3: fair. Oh, you no. know. But
0: nevertheless, <laughs> the stories that keep coming out of it, we heard it all the time when we were in the Thai boot camp, each oh. one of us. Um, we hear it through the guests that come through here. When the people actually sit down to do the journaling work, to actually do the writing on a fairly regular basis, the, the stories are all about how powerful it is. How, how literally it, it is probably one of the most effective release mechanisms that we humans have come up with.
1: I think so, because you're, you can think all the thoughts all you want all day, but like actually having them down in writing and stuff, like kind of makes it more real for lack of a better term. It
0: does. It's, it's, it's like, it almost flows out of your fingers. It's like you're releasing it through your fingers and through the pen, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the pen, pen is a method, like almost channeling in a, in a,
0: (laughs) the pen is channeling. Well, it is in a sense. It really is. Oh, I love that. It's true. And that, that's, that's what I was thinking about when she was telling that part of the story about how the journaling had made a difference for her. And she didn't give us a lot of, of um, description of that, primarily, I think, because she still had a lot she needed to tell us about the the traumas that she went through. But you could just tell in her voice.
1: Absolutely. You know? now, that's yeah. in a positive way.
0: Well, we haven't had her reconnect in. I'm hoping we're going to get her back fairly shortly because oh here she comes oh, oh i see a connection coming in right now we'll give Woo-hoo. her a moment to uh get the the video going and so forth all okay right. here she comes bring her back in right. I'm you made it hooray right. right. that's all right we've been doing a little analysis since you've been going, talking about the, the the things that we're picking up from what, what you were talking about um and, and sam and i were just talking about how you mentioned the journaling and how the journaling had made uh a big, oh, no, we got a screen freeze. Oh, are you there? Oh, nope. You're moving again. Good. All right.
2: <laughs> but the, uh, the journaling had made such a
0: big difference and, and talk a little bit more about how yeah. that journaling helped you.
2: Well, I started writing in prison, like as something to do. And there was this great guy who would come in and teach a writing class to us. And, you know, all the volunteers that go in and volunteer to get the inmates out of the pod for just an hour, whether it's church recovery or a writing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he really inspired me and I started writing, you know, about what I was seeing and going through, you know, in jail. And Mm -hmm. my dad sent me, um, an English writing prompt book, so I started doing writing prompts in there. And I also, when I got out, I submitted some poetry to um one of some writing contests that the Together Place was having, their recovery network. And they do a writing contest every year. And then they publish all of, you know, the, the poems and stuff, or the ones that make the cut. And I won two years in a row.
1: Congratulations. So I got
2: some of my poetry published. And yeah, yeah.
1: that's <laughs> exciting.
2: Um, I love. yeah, that, but yeah but, it, it really worried. helps.
1: Well, what was that, Sam? Oh, I just said, I love that you had that outlet of writing while you were in that situation too.
2: Right. I yeah, also painted cool. murals while I was in there. That was mm-hmm. like one of the jobs I had and I got paid $57 a month. I had one of the highest paying jobs in the prison. And wow. yeah, I, actually I have pictures of some of my murals from prison. At Danbury, I can show you guys. Well, you so can show them.
0: Me... 99% of our audience is audio only, so they, they won't be able to see it. But Sam and I can see it, oh. and a few other people who see the video can see it.
2: Well, um... Oh, nice.
1: Very expressive. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love that.
2: And then oh, we put nice. um, quotes in between. That's my phoenix.
1: Oh, nice.
2: There's the Trevor waits ago yeah so i <laughs> did
1: beautiful.
2: all beautiful, murals
0: yeah. it was definitely my blue period <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah for listeners uh, they, they were black and white with blue tone so it's basically three tone murals that she was showing us pictures of i love that I, I, i'm curious to know a little bit more about the journal if we still have you connected because i'm not sure because your screen freezes every few minutes but if if we do have you there still um can you talk about how it felt to do the journaling. I mean, did, did you find that the journaling was was a form of release? That's what Sam and I were kind of talking about while you were trying to reconnect.
2: Well, in jail, it was until the guards would toss my cell and then they'd read it and use it against me. And if I was venting, they'd be like, well, why are you writing this stuff? So I stopped mm. because you have no privacy. I have like, bought. yeah, that, that didn't help me, but it really helps me now. Um, like, and I'll, I'll follow, you know, the full moon. Like I'll write my intentions and what I want to happen on the new moon because, because like, that's the energy that's been, you know, you can, it can cultivate and grow. And then when the moon is full, that's like when I'll write down, you know, what I want to get rid of. Like if, you know, there's, I'm working on, you know, toxic, trauma that I'm trying to get over or things that I want to release out of my life. And, you know, I'll write it out and then burn it or, you know, whatever. And it just kind of, you know, gets your thoughts down and, you know, it, it, it really helps yourself, your uh, subconscious.
0: Talk about that feeling. How, so talk I about read- how, how it helps you in that way. I mean, when awesome. you say it helps your subconscious, what, 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 what do you, what are you experiencing in detail? Can, it, the best detail you can give. When you're, when you're doing the journaling today, not when you're in prison today.
2: I feel like I'm organized and I feel like I can get my thoughts together because, you know, I'm high functioning Mm -hmm. autistic. I was misdiagnosed as bipolar. So like racing Mm -hmm. thoughts are a big problem for me. And sometimes it'll get so bad. Like I can't even like grasp onto one thought and, like, Mm -hmm. hold on to it, it's like just so many are coming, so that will help me kind of, you know, narrow it down and focus I'm in control of life and I have you know, stuff like that I can't control, like, people places but I can control what I write I can control, you know my goals, and you know, it gives you kind of, like your own power back
0: mm. yeah there's an empowering aspect to journaling isn't there that that i don't I personally for myself i didn't know it was there until i actually tried it before that i thought it was a bunch of nonsense
2: yeah so did
0: i <laughs> you did okay right,
2: yeah. my feeling
1: <laughs> and i think one thing you said elizabeth that's yeah and then and it. then
2: after the cops like
0: so
3: go oh, ahead. Go we, we, you, you, can't,
0: you, you you froze for a second, so he tried to say something, and then you came oh, back, okay. and that's what happened here.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think just there's something to be said about like what you can versus what you can't control. That really stood, stood out to me. That's been something that I've been thinking about lately as well.
2: Right, and I think that's why I like art so much because like I am the god of be no in beautiful it could be what it be and i can control that and i can make it as beautiful or as horrifying as i want to and you know you you got to take the small wins even as tiny as they are because you know you you have to let go of this you know i'm going to control everything and that's a trauma response you know because mm-hmm. you're trying to control your environment around you so nothing bad happens to you again and there's really no doing that
0: so it comes down to how are you going to respond? You can't control what happened necessarily, but you can control your response to it.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: And unfortunately, Elizabeth's signal is causing caused a really lot of help problems. Too. Okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, it's not your fault. That Your, your signal is just cutting in and out. You can't control that. And you no, know, so oh, we're just getting through the But, um, what We are getting enough of what you're saying. Yeah, they were doing you know,
2: maintenance we're picking
0: power. it up.
1: Definitely. And a lot of what you were saying also, just like with your art, you have full creative control and you're creating your own. Like, that resonated with me because it's kind of the same with my music and stuff. So I appreciate that. And, yeah, it's like just your own world you can, can kind of create. <laughs> right.
2: Right. Yep.
0: Yep, that's really good stuff. All right. So um you created the yeah. uh the clothing line and the art line, and you got that going uh with the help of the financial contribution that was made. Talk about what happened after that. I mean how how I, I get the very strong impression your how your life has been improving since then. Talk about some of those improvements.
2: Well, um we actually moved out of the I got it was being sold in the community and that was really cool. And, um, I'm, I have a couple stores out here that are interested. I'm waiting to hear back from the owners. Um, I also plan on, uh, going to, um, like vendor shows and vendor events, So I, I've got some, some like events like that lined up that I'm really excited about. And yeah, like you just, you just have to have the guts to try, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd, I'd still be probably super depressed and, you know, on the verge of relapsing, you know, if I, if I hadn't found this, you know, new mission you know, of selling clothes, sharing my art, like empowering women. Like I want women to feel so stunning and beautiful in these clothes. They could like walk through hell and bring the devil to his knees. Like, that's how I want people to feel like in these clothes. I want them to feel powerful and like they can overcome anything. And, you know, like all these paintings I painted during my own healing journey. And like, even with this koi fish, like, Here's one of my placemats. Like I put gold scales in to like draw in abundance, and like I I do a lot with numerology, and like with you know if it's a starry sky, I'll have a certain number of stars to like represent something lucky. Yeah, I have a lot, but then I I'm kind of like. <laughs> You know, I go from like one extreme to the other. So then I'll have like these gothic pieces, you know, like the rose and the moonlight, and a lot of like red and black, you know, kind of like dark femme style. Uh, yeah, and then there's like, and, and did, like and just I so listeners start, know, because obviously, it's, it's obviously, cool.
0: listeners can't see the, they can't see what you're doing, they can't see what you're showing. All oh, right, and let forgetting. me. Talk. No, that's all right. But 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 let me tell them, the the first one that you showed us was brilliant color, absolutely brilliant color. It just, like, popped out of the canvas. The second one, the gothic that she showed, was pretty much what you might expect, sort of a a black-gray-white with with a little bit of uh, color in the rose that was in the middle of it. And the third one was kind of halfway between. So you have a wide range of expression with the way you use colors, which is really quite fascinating. Many artists have, like, they have their palette, right? They have their one way of doing things you explore a lot of different palettes.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, it really depends on like what end of the spectrum I'm on that day. I guess.
3: Okay. that's <laughs> fair. Cause
2: like, I'm like super wound up mm-hmm. other days. Like I'll be like docile and kind of like in a darker mood and it like really comes out like with, you know, different things I paint because yeah, you're right. Like I'll do, you know, modern type art and then I'll do um oh my god I can't even think of it the the type of art where you don't finish it and it's kind of just like like mm-hmm. you it could be interpreted as like other things um
3: mm-hmm.
2: not expression or what it's called <laughs> my brain name is I'm blank. yeah <laughs> there's definitely right. something for everybody.
0: That's true. Yeah, you have such a wide range there that there is something for everybody, which is very, very cool. Um, one other thing I want to ask you before we, we do our wrap-up section here is you, your whole growth path since all this started to come together for you has quite evidently – it's evident to me. I think it's evident to Sam. It's probably evident to listeners too. It has helped you turn around in a major way. It's helped you to become – I'll, if you'll forgive the phrase, it has helped you to become the person you've wanted to be. And I, I know this is almost impossible to, um, to summarize, but talk about what that's like for you to have come from where you came you know, from I went feel, through and then come here.
2: If you had told me five years that I would be responsible for putting bills on the table and getting them passed, I would have, you know, suggested mental health.
3: <laughs> treatment.
2: Um, like there was just like, no way I would have even saw that. I mean, at some point I couldn't even come out of my house and mm. you know, I, the other thing that helped me was my friend created this trauma program um, called, she writes her from a beautiful. I was in, she does stuff as well, but she created this amazing like therapy you know, course for women with trauma. And it really helped me come out of my shell. And, Mm. um, I'm just really grateful for that because she inspired me and she kind of made me like believe in myself again and, you know, help me change that mindset. You, you have to change your mindset. If you're sitting there telling yourself, you can't do it. Like, you know, coming up with all these excuses, I can, I could still come. Excuses. why my love, want it to be and they'd be valid you know there's still excuses and you know there comes a time when you just have to like look yourself in the mirror and be like like I am part of this problem like I had mm-hmm. to get my trauma under control before I could get you know my addiction under control and you know you know and like there's this the, you need know, you have to deal with the stigma of everything like for it, for instance, I had conservative women telling me when I got out of prison, well, if you don't want to get raped by caught go to prison, like just okay with, that's you know, I had let this all go with Somerset County and the Priya thing and all that. But then there was a pay, there was an article in the newspaper, um, about Somerset County abusing inmates and one of the sergeants told this inmate to kill themselves and they had to cut that inmate down from a suicide attempt. That same officer mm. did that to me when I was in solitary, oh, wow. given the wrong medication in full blown psychosis. That's what the sergeant was doing. And I didn't try to kill my other inmate. cut him down. So that kind of, got me super angry about it again. And that's when I started requesting my paperwork from Somerset County and trying to, you know, you know, expose them for the corrupt facility that they are. And Mm -hmm. I'm still getting stonewalled. They told me to get a lawyer and I got a lawyer and they said, he needs to subpoena the paperwork, but you can't subpoena paperwork without an open case. And you case without the, that, inmates keep dying there and you know i'm just it gets so t- you know one story after another and nobody's doing anything about it so that kind of like kicked me in gear to you know i was trying to forget about it and just move on with my life for the longest time and then you know that article came out and i'm like no no they knew about her. They knew she was doing this to people, you know, and they're hurting. Like this the greatest earth, you know, the land of the free and all that stuff. And, you know, there's a great quote, a nation cannot be judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but how it treats its lowest. And, mm-hmm. you know, I totally agree with that. And we fall. Short of you know treating our lowest members of society with any dignity or respect or you know human compassion.
0: Well, this has been quite the uh, the visit to hear your story and to learn. What you've done to, um, not only turn your life around, but also do your best to help other people as well. Um, tell people before we, uh, we finish up. First of all, how do they find out about your clothing and your art? We will put it into the, to the description, but we want you to tell it too. How do they find you?
2: Yeah. Um, you can find it at the le- galleries dot com slash e n slash elizabeth dot um I am also on Instagram and TikTok the handle is the same it's e p underscore eleven eleven and I am doing a series
0: oops oh no Well, we may have to uh just put the link in and let people find it that way because, unfortunately, it looks like Elizabeth got cut out again. Got most Oof. of it. We got most of it, yeah. Well, again, the link's going to be in the description, so people will be able to pick it up there. But I, I also wanted to give her my last bit that I do with everybody, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> so, all right, well, I'll, I'll give her a minute here, but I have a feeling she's having to go through that reconnection. she'll probably be... Um, will probably be done before she's able to reconnect. So I will. I will just direct her to afterward. I'll tell her to listen to this part because I want her. I do want her to hear this part. And that is like so many people who come onto this program. She is a giver, and givers need to be recognized for the ways that they're giving. And and she's been giving and giving and giving despite having gone through horrible traumas that you know just, just defy imagination. So uh, Elizabeth, when, when you're listening to this part of the program, I want you to know that there are many people that you've never met. That you've never seen, never will meet, never will see whose lives you've affected for the, for the better by the work that you're doing, not only on yourself, but also for others. So on their behalf, thank you for what you have done and what you continue to do. Um, and we wish you all the best in your own journey as you continue to climb out of that horrific cauldron that you were stuck in for so long and, and you're rising like the phoenix. I mean, it's really exciting to watch. So Sam, any last comments before we, uh, disconnect today?
1: Just that I really appreciate you sharing your story and all the work that you're doing now to help others not go through the same thing. And just the art is so beautiful. And I love, I, I loved hearing from you.
0: Yeah. Good it stuff. Pretty- so, so thank you. Uh, anybody lives, we have people in the live stream. Thank you guys very much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye everybody.